Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. All right, so we're going to be in John chapter 3, if you want to turn there real quick. Um, it's basically this conversation between Jesus and this religious leader of Pharisee named Nicodemus. Okay, So it's a pretty famous conversation, so we're going to dive into that. Um, we noticed that, that Nicodemus, he's a religious leader, and most of the time when Jesus was talking to a religious leader, he was challenging them, calling them out, saying, you are far from the mark, you are far from God. But you see, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he's really curious, like, what is the deal? You know what I mean? Who are you? What Do you know something I don't know? And you see that he's like, he comes like a child, you know, like, I just need to know. You know, please give me the answers. And Jesus does not turn him away. So I think it's a great reminder for us that no matter where you are, what your status is, like, Jesus will not turn you away. He wants to talk to you. He wants to live in your life. So um, turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 8. When you're there, say amen. Awesome. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly. When Jesus says truly twice, it's important, okay? I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I can't unpack everything, all the significance right there, but I do want to focus on a few things this morning. The first one is that Jesus was explaining that rebirth is the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? It is the Holy Spirit's work to make someone born again. Right? And so you see Nicodemus, like I said, he was a religious leader. Like he, he, he knows the scriptures. He's devoted himself to God. And he comes to this conclusion that, Jesus, you're not just another guy. There's something, I don't know what it is, but there's something different. Like, God obviously is with you. And that even seeing that, he fails to perceive that Jesus is God in the flesh. And it's crazy to think that Nicodemus has spent his entire life memorizing scripture, praising this God, and yet the moment where God is face to face with him, he cannot see him. Like, he is blind to the fact that Jesus is God. And so it brings us to the state of understanding that being born again, being a true child of God, it doesn't, it's not a state of life you reach by memorizing Scripture, right? You memorize all the Scripture all day long. It doesn't mean you're born again, okay? It doesn't come by trying your best to follow all the laws in the Old Testament. i got to do this, i got to do this, i got to do this, i got to follow this. That does not make you born again. It's not even you're trying to strive to live righteously. All those things are important, but they don't make you born again. You aren't a born-again Christian just by doing these things. And I wonder, like Nicodemus, he's striving to see the kingdom of God, but yet 
it's happening all around him. It's happening in front of him, and he cannot see it. And I wonder with us if we've noticed that or we've seen other people experience that. That Do you notice that in verse 3? He's like, Jesus said, if you were, unless you were born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Okay, And so we see in our lives where God is like transforming a person or transformed a situation or a, a circumstance or whatever it is. And the Christian knows like God was at work. This is awesome. God set me free or God helped me out or God healed that person. But the people around you are like, coincidence. You know, we're like, that wasn't God. That was lucky happenstance. Wow, that cancer just removed itself. It wasn't God, though. There's no way it doesn't because that person is not born again. They cannot see the kingdom of God. So it's not something that, that it's what Jesus is trying to tell us that if you want to see the kingdom, you have to be born again, right? You have to be made new. And it talks about that Jesus is responding that it's the Holy Spirit's job. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people to God. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts people. He convicts your heart. He lets you know what you're doing is wrong. He turns you to Jesus like you need Jesus. You need a Savior. That is his job. And so we, a lot of times I've heard it preached and you can think that the Holy Spirit is like some force, right? Like in Star Wars or something. He's something you can manipulate and use power, but that's not the case biblically, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. He is part of the Godhead. And so by being a person, he thinks and he feels he desires to have quality time with you. He has a will and he has a plan for your life. He loves, he gives gifts Somebody say amen. That's fantastic. I love gifts, right? And so the Holy Spirit wants to give people gifts. He wants to spend time with them. And he is the one responsible for taking a person, a soul, from a state of spiritually dead to reflecting the image of Christ. It is his inner working, his, him sanctifying you. And so being born again is not complex because it is simply us responding and saying yes to the Holy Spirit, right? It's saying yes to Jesus. It's turning to God, asking for forgiveness, and becoming his child right then and there. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done right then, you can be completely transformed. You're completely renewed. You're completely forgiven. Hallelujah. I know I'd done a lot of bad stuff in my life, and I knew when I came to Christ, all that stuff was gone. Jesus wipes your slate clean because that's what he did for us. And so it's the inward recreating of a person. And it doesn't always happen in a second, like when it comes to your attitude or the way you talk or the way you think. It is a process, but that starts by being born again. And we no longer conform to these ungodly beliefs or ungodly lifestyles or behaviors. And honestly, a born-again Christian should live in such a way in front of people that people know you're different. They see that you're different. You handle situations differently. You follow a different lifestyle, right? You talk differently, you love people, and they should know that. And I thought this is interesting. I was talking to Shay about this, and, and um, she really helped me to understand this, that when we come to Christ, we are born again, and it's like becoming a baby, right, all over. You have to learn how to talk. You have to learn how to walk. What does this look like? What does my father expect of me? How do I handle things? And so it is that we start as babies, but by no means are we supposed to stay a baby, in Christ, okay? And this is where it can kind of hit home for some of you, so I apologize if it comes off rude, but I do it in love, okay? Um, God wants us to mature. And so he wants to put us in a place where he can trust us in a situation, right? That he can trust us to get victory. And for example, you have, let's say, for example, you have a toddler that's three years old, and they fall down in the street, and they scrape their leg, right? And, and, and the baby's like, oh, 
like crying, you know, lifting up, mommy, I need you to kiss my boo-boo. And you're like, oh, and you're a bystander. You're like, oh, that's cute. You know, remember my kid was that age or whatever, you know, my niece, whatever. And it seems natural. A kid that age falls down, needs mommy to pick him up, needs that reassurance constantly. But you know what? If you see a sane 35-year-old man do that, fall down, scrape his knee and cry out for his mommy and say, I need someone to kiss my boo-boo. Like, that's creepy. That's not natural. That's not normal, right? And so we can see that in the natural world, but shouldn't it be the same way as Christians, right? Shouldn't we grow in Christ and not stay as babies, but grow and, and learn? And, and Hebrews 5 states it like this. This is a challenge to people that we're not growing to God. Hebrews 5 verse 12 to verse 14 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, yet you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Constant practice. A constant thing. Don't you think kids and teenagers should reach a certain age or a certain level of maturity where they know how to babysit, they can wash the dishes. They get to the point where they even learn how to drive. And, and I wonder with us, how long have we been saved? And do you still struggle with the same issues that you dealt with day one when you came to Christ? Do you still struggle with types of addiction? Do you still struggle with you know, giving forgiveness? Do you still struggle with your mouth? Whatever it is, like all these things. And honestly, we've got to stop making excuses, church. We've, got to, we've basically got to get out of our spiritual diapers, okay? We've got to grow in Christ. There's, there's a point where we are supposed to mature. We are supposed to grow. We are not supposed to look like we did when we came to Christ initially. Like, that's great, but we get so comfortable in our walk with God. And maybe one of the reasons you get comfortable is because you feel like you're not ready to grow or you're just afraid to fail. You're afraid that God has something for you and you're like, I'm just going to fall flat on my face and I know it, so I'm not even going to try. But... Didn't you learn and didn't I learn as kids that you fail forward, you're going to mess up, and that's when your parents help you out. You get that loving correction. You get, it's all right, get back up again. I'll help you out. God wants to do the same thing for you, but you need to take that step of faith. You need to trust him and grow in him every single day. And in that, there comes this freedom. Like, do you remember when you reach a certain age, you can hang out with your friends without a parent there or a friend there? You were like, yes, I've made it. Like, I'm grown. Like, and it was because that parent had trust in you to give you that freedom. And as you grow and God can trust you, he can trust you to be out in the world and actually be a light. To love people, to disciple people, to be able to handle situations. He wants a follower that he can send into battle and know that soldier is going to win. That soldier is going to get victory. And if you look at it, since we're a military community, here's a military example. I've never heard of, maybe you have, doubt it. But I've never heard of a general take a soldier from their first week of basic training and be like, I got a black ops mission for you. It's about to go down and I need you to do it. Like, no, that, they don't even know how to be a soldier yet. Right. And so, you know, who gets those missions, those secret covert missions or whatever else? It is those people that have disciplined 
their bodies for war. They have disciplined their minds over years. They have achieved that sense of muscle memory when things happen. They know if an audible happens and something's out of place, they are experienced and trained enough to know how to handle it, to have that discernment. And so it should be the same for us, church. God desires that we train ourselves in him. That when something happens that's like, I didn't expect that, or God didn't answer your prayer, that's like, it's okay. God, I know you're still with me. I trust you. I'm still following you, right? When offense or unforgiveness pops in your mind, you're like, immediately, nope diffusing this bomb with love and mercy and forgiveness because I'm trained in this. I know what God says. I've grown in this area. And there are battles that God wants to win, but he desires that his followers are trained and ready for war. That is what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to fight. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to disciple people. But you can't do that if you don't know your word. You can't do that if you're not prayed up. You can't do that if this is your extent of your life with God, that you come to church and you hear a 30-minute sermon and then the rest of the week it is whatever. Like It's up to you to grow in Christ. It's up to you to grow in that discernment and practice that. So let's not stay babies. Let's get to a point where you know we say as Christians we want to advance the kingdom of God, right? And we want God to flow. We want miracles to happen. But that comes out of a natural walk with being close to Jesus. So let's get to a place where we don't wish we could advance the kingdom, but we do it because it's natural. It's our second nature to love people. It's our second nature. Someone has an issue. Can I pray for you right now? Wow. Okay. You'd be amazed what that does to people. For those of you that do that, it's awesome, right? And you let God flow through you, but it's a daily thing. So let's continue. Let's go to verse 9. John chapter 3, verse 9. Next part of this conversation. Nicodemus, I love him. He's still so confused, man. At least he's honest about it. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And here Jesus is explaining that rebirth comes by faith. It comes by faith on our part. And you see that Nicodemus, he's he's struggling. He's having trouble understanding, and you can see that. And, And God can test you in areas where you're like, I don't get it, right? And so Nicodemus is trying to understand. And so what I love what Jesus did is he took what was familiar to Nicodemus to illustrate truth, to illustrate what he was trying to say. And I love that God does that for us. He takes what you can understand or comprehend and he uses it to grow you. He uses things around, he uses circumstances, he uses people that you can understand, the language you can understand to love you and grow you. And we see that that's, I mean, isn't that what Jesus did his whole ministry, his public ministry? Parable, stories, something. He was using things around all these people to illustrate, this is what the kingdom is like. This is what I'm doing. This is who I really am. So they could relate to that. And so here Jesus is doing the same thing. He's reminding Nicodemus of what happened in Scripture that Nicodemus is very familiar with. He knows this story in Numbers, right? He knows where basically the Israelites were free from Egypt, right? They crossed the Red Sea. Moses is their leader. They get to a point where they're like, we're so hungry, we wish we could go back. And God's like, all right, I'm going to give you manna every day, right? And then so God feeds them and blesses them, but then this blessing turns into an inconvenience because it's not good enough anymore. People want more. 
The Israelites want more. God, you blessed me then, but I want something different now. I want something new. I want some fresh. I want some meat. I don't want manna, you know? And so God answers like, okay, have a snake, you know? And, and he's disciplining them like you need to be thankful, right? And so through this process of the Israelite getting bit, God tells Moses to fashion this bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and everyone that looks at this snake is going to be healed, right? It was an act of faith. And Jesus is explaining that to Nicodemus just as that thing is raised up on a pole, so the Son of Man will be. He's letting him know point blank, but Nicodemus can't see it yet, that, hey, I've got to be lifted up. I'm going to go on the cross, and everyone that turns to me will have eternal life. And that's important that, that people have to have faith to be made new because there, you do have a choice in it. Right? The Holy Spirit, yes, it's his work, and he draws you in, and he can convict you so much, and he can you know, make you feel all tense or whatever else, feel like you need to turn or, or you know, you're super convicted, but he never overpowers you. Like The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He does not force himself on anyone. Right? He wants you to turn to him. He wants you to trust him, but he's not going to be like, no, you're saved now, and you're spending eternity with me whether you like it or not. Like, that's not what he does. He lets us have the choice. And so a person that is born again or, or take, makes that decision to trust Jesus, it's not just a one-time event, okay? I hope you understand this. Like, it's a daily occurrence that, Lord, today I trust you. Today you're my Savior. Today I deny myself, and I pick up my cross, and I follow you. Because you have to constantly trust and believe that your hope your existence, your future is all set in Jesus. Amen? And for us, like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle in my faith. Does anyone else struggle in their faith? Yeah? Just a few of you? Okay, I was like, man, y'all are awesome. Like, maybe I should sit down. I'm just kidding. No. But, I, I mean, it's, it's real, right? We have those moments where we struggle trusting God and, and, and because of what is said or things we're going through or situations we're in. And so it's that beautiful thing that Jesus offers us is that constant option to you can continue to trust me or you can reject me like every day you have that choice every second will I continue trusting Jesus or can I say I'm done with it I'm doing things my own way and God loves us enough that he doesn't chain us to him he pursues us he loves us but he doesn't force you to stay you have that choice but you know the type of faith I want I want that type of faith that Paul had where he calls himself I'm a slave to Jesus like, I know Jesus doesn't chain himself to me, but I willingly chain myself to him. I want to be just like Jesus in everything. I want the resurrection power. I want the glory. I want the miracles. And a lot of us can be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, pray for someone. A leg pops out, you know. I say that several times. But you want to see it, right? You're like, yeah, in the name of Jesus. Boom, you're like, oh, amazing. Wreck a community, right? But you also, like, we have to understand that Paul, yes, he wanted that. But he wanted the suffering, too. He was like, God, I, I want to be just like you in your suffering. I want to suffer as you suffered. I want to go through those trials and persecutions like you did because I can better understand you. I can better understand my God. And that's the type of faith that the disciples had that they go up. You read this in Acts. They go up before these authorities and everything else. And, and they're like, you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Okay, you're going to get a beating. Okay, bring it. And they're, they're bloodied and they're bruised, and then they walk out limping like, thank you, Jesus. I got to suffer for you today. Awesome. What? What? Like, that's intense faith. That goes more than our comfortable, lazy boy Christianity. That is warfare, right? That is really proving that you trust in Jesus, no matter when you're covered in bruises or what you're suffering through. And that's that type of faith where you can be in a place where it's like, bring on the next trial. Bring it. Because I know to get through that, 
I've got to be closer to Jesus. I've got to depend on Jesus. I've got to let him flow through my life or I am not going to make it. And it's wishing those things so you grow in your endurance. You grow in your faith. You grow in your walk with Jesus. And honestly, that's, that's the type of faith that I, I really desire, right? It's that because it gets to a place where you realize that what you're going through is not nearly as bad as what Jesus did for you. You didn't have to take on the wrath of God. You didn't have to be beaten and bruised and nailed to a cross and be mocked and rejected and still have that loving and forgiving heart. Like, you couldn't do it, right? And so when we go through those things, it's that sense of like, man, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me. I know I've got to handle this or whatever else, but it's not near of what you did for me. You can thank Jesus for that. And for us, our faith, like when we become born again, it can start tiny. But again, just like maturing, it's not supposed to stay tiny. Your faith in God is supposed to continue to grow, and it's supposed to be noticed, right? But like I said, there are times where I struggle in faith, and I struggle in trusting Jesus. And there's, there's something that happens in Mark chapter 9 that always gives me hope. I don't know about you. You've probably heard this story, but there's this father that is needing healing for his son. You know, and he's, he goes to Jesus, and he realizes that Jesus is healing people. And he's like, Jesus, if you can do something, please do it. And Jesus responds like, if. You mean if I can? He's like, everything's possible for those that believe, right? And so what, what encourages me the most is how that dad or that father responds because it's what I do a lot of times in my life. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, and it's one thing like, God, I trust you that you transform me. I get that you helped me. You, you know, you took away my sins as far as the east is from the west and you bless me. But Lord, I'm in a new situation and I'm in a new thing that I've not experienced, I've not walked through you with, and I need you today. I've trusted you. I believe in you, Lord. I know you can do it, but I need that reminder. I need you to bless me. And just like what he did for, for that father, the way he responded, he responded with love and compassion and for that opportunity for your faith to increase. Because we all, I mean, we tend to do it. We have this capacity for faith. Like, I've got this much faith that can fit into this jar, and God wants to break it. He wants to crush that and be like, do you realize we cannot put God in a box? That the God of the universe, he, the, what he can do, you probably can't even fathom. You shouldn't be able to fathom it, right? And so he wants you to have that faith of like, God is limitless. He is unrestricted. That there's nothing he cannot accomplish if you will trust him, if you will continue to follow him. Amen? And the thing that's, that's really important that Jesus says, you know, that through faith we receive eternal life. It's that eternal life starts when you're born again. It starts here on earth. For Christians, it's not something that, I can't wait one day where I'm in heaven, and it's going to be so good. Like, your eternal life starts now, okay? I don't know if you knew this or not, because eternal life is the opportunity to know God. And Jesus paved the way that we can know him now. We could spend time with him now. We can directly talk to him now. We can be free from the power of sin now. We don't have to struggle with what we've been struggling, but we can be set free. And he desires that we spend that time with him and that he flows through every part of our lives, in all of our situations, in all of our circumstances. And he proves it through these next th uh, few scriptures. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's a good one to memorize you don't already. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name 
of the only Son of God. You know, John 3.16 is one of the, the most famous scriptures in the Bible. You hear unbelievers know this verse, right? They understand that this exists. And it's, it proves that rebirth is God's gift. Like this is a gift to follow Jesus, to be set free, to, to be born again. And you notice that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. Why? Because it's already condemned. The world has already turned its back on God. We have already turned our back on God. We've already broken his laws. We've broken his commandments. And so Jesus is the only hope that we can be saved, that anybody can be saved. Like Christianity 101, good reminder. Jesus is the only way to the Father, only way to true eternal life. And it's, it's so cool that Jesus did this because, you know, you read of a lot of atrocities that happened in the Old Testament that people have done. And you read about... What I mean, maybe what you've done in your life, what you see people doing now, and in the future, who can imagine what read Revelation? You know what I mean? What can imagine how bad the world's going to get? But it's despite all that, God still chose to give this gift, to still love people, to still give people hope, to give people the gift of his son. And it was this gift that he chose to crush his son for you. And that's crazy. Like Jesus, who is eternal, who in his nature is so holy, if he never did anything, it's because he is God. He deserves to be worshipped and praised. And yet he came down willingly to die for you, to take your place on the cross. And it just makes me think, like, who do you love the most? Like, could you sacrifice them for someone else? Like, don't get me wrong, okay, by saying, I love you guys. I love you so much. But if it's a choice between my daughter and you hanging off a cliff, bye-bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's my flesh and I'm not strong enough in Christ yet to be like, no, I will willing. Like, sorry, I'm picking my daughter. Like, I'm, I'm picking them over you because I love them more, right? And so to think of that with God, he loved Jesus. It's his son, and yet he willingly, like, I'll let him fall. I'll crush him so that I can set you free. Like, what? Like, God is so above us in every way. God loves so much more. God is, is so much more holy than we are for sure. And I just, if you can grasp just that fraction of, of a fraction of that love that God has for you, I guarantee you, you will have no problem worshiping God. Mask on or off. You will have no issue clapping your hands, praising God, spending time in your word, praising God, praying for other people because you're like, man, having that constant reminder, man, you love me so much. I'm so loved. I think as Christians, we spend so much time in that. I'm so guilty. Oh, I sinned yesterday. You know what I mean? It's like, but because of what Jesus did for you, when God looks at you, he sees perfection. He sees righteousness. He knows that he loves you, and so we have to stand in that, that we are saints before God when our faith is in Jesus, because that's what God gifted to us. Amen? And this rebirth, it changes our perspective. It, it, what, what God wants starts to become what we want. How God sees people, how he loves people, starts to become how we see people and how we love people. I mean, God's heart becomes our heart. And so Christians, born-again Christians cannot remain selfish. We cannot remain unloving. We cannot remain rude. We cannot remain thinking and talking negatively. Like this stuff is a crutch that we should be free from, right? And, and we should grow in, I'm done with that. I'm done. I'm trusting in God. I'm growing in God. And where our character reflects God's character. 
You should look and walk and talk like Jesus. That should be our goal. Not to look like another Christian. Not to be I want to be a Christian like Billy Grant. No, forget about it. Go for Jesus. He's much better. Much better, right? Try to model Jesus. Do that. And James says it this way, which it's amazing to think this, that God loves people, you know, and he loves people that accept him, but this brings some light into it. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. What does that tell you? That tells you, yes, God gives you gifts. God loves you. He wants to lavish over you. But it also means that if someone goes their entire life rejecting God, hating God, speaking out against God, God is still blessing them. God is still giving them life. God is still giving them wealth. God is probably still giving them, you know, whatever prosperity and whatever else, skills. He's giving them talents. And you think that God loves people so much that he loves you even if you never love him back. Shouldn't we model that as Christians? People that hate our guts, hate Christianity, hate everything you stand for, and you still love them, you still help them when they're in need, you're still there for them to bless them. Because honestly, talking about God's love is great. It's powerful. Like, oh, it's great. But living it out and showing love to someone that way, that's another level completely. Walking what you talk, believing in God so much that you live the way he desires you to live. And I think it's powerful because for me, I'll, I'll end with this example. For me in my life, I was very in darkness, right? I was very far from God. And, but there was someone in my life that remained a constant. I'm not saying there were not other people, but my grandmother remained a constant in my life. Like she loved Jesus. She spent time in prayer. You can hear there were times where I lived under a roof and I would just hear her in the room on her knees crying out to God, seeking God. And despite how I lived, Despite how I treated her, what I did, she still loved me. She was still there for me. She still listened to me. She would still talk to me. She, was, she never once like, oh, you're going to hell, you know. Oh, you're such a bad, which was the truth. But she was loving me to Christ. She was showing me what it looks like to actually love. And she was the model that I was like, God's got to be real. Like, there's no way she can live this way without God being real. And it was my catalyst. It was her demeanor, that, and, and, and she took care of me, but she never even forced me, like, you're going to church with me today, I'm grabbing you, and you're going, I was a grandkid, you know, and so it's like, she probably could have, I was living under roof, but yet she still gave me that choice, right, she always gave me a choice, she was honest with me, and this is what the world desperately needs, they don't need another Christian with a picket sign, screaming, you're going to hell for eternity, whatever, but loving them. And through that love, when the hard questions are asked, they're like, is this wrong? Is this sin? Yeah, buddy, it is. Like, but Jesus made a way for you. Like, that's the whole point of the gospel. That's why we're Christians. It's because Jesus gave us hope, and we are to preach that hope. We are to proclaim that truth, that there is a chance for everyone else to be set free, to not live in that. And so it's never compromising the gospel, never just preaching stuff that makes people feel good, but being real and walking in love, which is powerful. Amen? People that aren't afraid to stand up for Jesus despite what's going on around them. And to do this, we need the Holy Spirit to live in us and through us daily. Like, we've got to grow in the Holy Spirit. We've got to grow to want to know Him. What do you, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to today? How do you want me to deal with this situation? How do you want me to pray today? Should I just sit here and just listen to you? Should, what do you want me to read today? 
where should I go? Like spending time with him, really communicating with him. And, and through that, like our faith just continues to increase. And if we have that thought process every day of like, God, my life is such a gift. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for giving me breath today that I could breathe. I got a car. I could eat today. Like there's so many people around the world that don't have that. There's so many people that aren't blessed. And when it's so easy to become like Israel was, you know what? The blessings I have, not good enough. I need something fresh. I need something better, God. But imagine being in that state that no matter what it is, that humbly like, God, whatever you give me, I love. Whatever trial, whatever I experience, I still love you. I still follow you. That's the type of follower that Jesus is desiring for you to be. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.